Good morning, everyone. Already in silence. I was curious for how many of you is this your first uh, month-long retreat? Uh, welcome. One thing we'll be um, offering you in terms of support, one of the many things, would be the encouragement to relax and have faith that uh, you're here for so long that it's, you can put effort in, and effort is very helpful, but you're also uh, resting in very beautiful conditions, and those conditions will be part of what transforms you. And so one part of the practice is relearning how to relax. We actually don't have a culture that teaches us how to relax. So. If you're relaxing, that's always good, always good practice, and always a good retraining of how to be in your animal body with a sense of ease. So we might create a foundation, a meditative foundation of relaxation, and then like raising a dimmer switch up and bringing the lights on from relaxation, we invite presence. So relaxing, and then not going unconscious, but relaxing and being present so that you're aware within the relaxation. And then the third part is to learn from that heightened or the depth of intimacy that gets cultivated, how things actually work. So not taking on big belief systems, but just through that relaxed intimacy, you'll be able to see more clearly how your mind works and how it uh, is trying to be happy, but sets itself up for frustration. So that's born out of the relaxed intimacy of mindfulness, of samadhi and mindfulness. So I'm going to guide us in uh, meditation practice, um, just to help us start this day. And to do that, <clears throat> invite your body into a posture that allows your body to be at ease. Maybe one of the first things we do is learn how to bring ease to this body. Like you would love a dog or a cat. It's, you don't want to come with too harsh of an attitude. <clears throat> so we start with an attitude that's kind and relaxed. And we invite our bodies to be as comfortable as they can be in these conditions. Take a few deep breaths and notice how you don't push the breath out. You just stop holding on and you exhale. This heads us towards natural, relaxed presence. kindness and patience of attitude.
And then within that ease, within the ease that you're cultivating and continue to cultivate, you can welcome presence so that you're not adrift in the ease, but you start to attend the simple present moment or the stream of present moments. And and we encourage you to have a basically simple practice. It'll get complex at times, but what you want to cultivate is something easily content, at ease in your body, at ease in your mind. So then to orient your attention to give it a home base in the present, what we often call the anchor. You want to pick something simple that's not in your thinking realm. So bring your attention towards the silence of the room and the tiny little popcorn sounds that arise and pass, relaxing into the field of hearing And there's a cough, there's a sneeze, there's a creak of a chair, distant car. The reality of sounds is not a problem. It's our relationship to them. So you might find that starting a sitting, relaxing, opening up to the spaciousness of hearing, you find the right balance of ease and presence. For some of you, you could stay with sound and explore that as an anchor or home base in the stream of the present. For others of you, you'll find that sounds are a little bit thin, hard to land on, so your mind wanders easily. In that case, you might find that bringing your attention inside your body with no agenda other than to appreciate what it's like to be in an alive human body with its many sensations, its heartbeat, its sense of temperature, its breathing. You might enjoy the length of your posture, or feeling something specific like your arms and hands, your feet or your face. You have a whole month to explore how you find a home base, an anchor in simple body sensations and cultivating a heart and a mind that's content with just breathing. just having a heartbeat, a body that can feel temperature,
every now and then refreshing your attitude. So you're cultivating patience, kindness, presence. A type of loyalty to what you're choosing to be aware of, sounds or body sensations. And then the third great anchor, the third home base and the stream of all that's happening can be this field of breathing, the field of body sensations that arise as you breathe. Hopefully you're always breathing and in some cycle of breathing. So whenever your mind wanders or you're looking for a place to develop relaxation and presence. You can turn towards where the breath is most obvious for you. Might be in your torso, your upper chest or your lower abdomen, rising and falling, the stretching, the relaxation Feeling your ribs spread and come together as you exhale. The breath might be felt most as temperature change inside your nostrils. Cool air coming in, warm air flowing out. You might at times get so sensitive you feel the tumbling of the air across your lip as you breathe in and breathe out. Today, start where the breath is easy to access. You can refine that over time. But we enter retreats with so much speediness, with the habits of everyday life. Just taking today to settle in empty out of the major clutter. Start remembering what it's like to be on retreat, to relax and have faith of just flowing in presence. So play with these three Anchors, sounds, the body, and the breath. Guide your attention towards one of them. And then, while being relaxed and patient, be gently persistent (coughs) to keep letting go of agitating habits. And start cultivating this mind that's at ease with something simple and present.
if your heart and mind are feeling particularly drowsy, or if on this first day you start to feel a lot of pain in your mind and in your body that causes your mind agitation, it can be skillful to come to standing. It's good for sleepiness and to give some relief to the body. Please use these skillful tools. You don't have to just passively endure pain if you can't meet it with patience and kindness. Or if you're sleepy and you're just waiting for the bell, it's skillful to try standing.
and what's happening now. Is your attitude still patient and kind? Are you feeling relaxed? Has your body taken up a stressful posture, raising your shoulders, clenching your teeth? When you find your body is holding stress, relax. Invite yourself back to ease. Patiently and persistently guide your attention back to simple present time experiences. Field of silence and sounds. What it's like to be in your body. What it's like to experience one breath at a time. several or many in a row.
I'm going to go over a bit of the structure of the day, just so it's clear. Starting a one-month retreat, it takes a little more um, in the beginning to get us all on the same page of what it's like to live together for a month. This morning will just be simple practice, and this afternoon there's a community meeting. I'll describe that in more detail. By the way, how's the sound in the back? Okay. Also, I wanted to um, to guide us further into the, uh, the practices that were opened last night of taking refuge and of the practice of the five precepts or the practice of sila. We'll talk more about both of these. But one thing that's interesting is to do a month-long retreat, uh, something, you have an intuition, as James mentioned last night, that drew you to this experience. And if you were in another culture, a traditional Theravadan culture, you would get a lot of support for this. But chances are, uh, you coming here for a month, at best your other friends and family members like, okay, that's interesting. And other people might have really questioned it. I have a dear friend, actually my partner, it's on a four-month silent retreat, and everybody just shook their head when they said, four months, that's, that's unimaginable. But once you get into the Dharma, it, you can feel, for some people, there's more to this. There's something I want, it's something I want to explore, and I need these conditions. So you have a faith, you have an inclination, you have a wisdom, and if you're returning, uh, something might have happened that validated that and wants to inspire you to come further. So we have uh, this practice that we do of doing the refuges and precepts, um, but they also contain necessary teachings in them, so they're not just a ceremony we do or a ritual we do so that we can get on to other things. All through this month and then afterwards, um, you will be taking refuge. You'll be faced by doubts and things that you're uncertain about. And you'll wonder which way you should go and your mind will have old conventions that seem to do an okay job. And you'll turn and say, no, I'm actually going to take refuge in the Buddha. I'm going to take refuge in the Dhamma. I'm going to take refuge in the Sangha, in this community here or others who inspire me. Even if you are in a traditional culture where they have a lot of faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, um, it's still quite a heroic thing to do a month of intensive practice. And so they, too, have to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha to sustain themselves, to nourish themselves, to inspire themselves. And so if you find that your motivation is flagging or your mind is entertaining doubts, you can turn towards whichever of these three gems uh, re-inspires you and holds you, uh, the Buddha, the Dhamma, or the Sangha. And then during that period where things maybe not be clear or you don't have a lot of inspiration coming up, you might 
console yourself with the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And you'll see that that's just a temporary phase of fatigue coming through or doubt. But you don't have to suffer those states. You actually can cultivate a strength of faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. When I was a monk in Burma, um, I had a lot of doubt. And I began to see it. It's like, yeah, these are my doubt waves, and they're pretty torturous. My mind's good at torturing me with doubt. But I'm not going to disrobe. I'm not going to leave the monastery. But about every fourth day, it seemed, my mind would really start to question what I was doing if I had screwed up my entire life. <laughs> and then my friend said, you don't, don't you actively practice faith? And I said, no, no one ever taught me an active faith practice. I said, well, find something you have faith in. And I had faith in the Dhamma, but I hadn't really taken refuge in it. I mean, you think I might have by doing a, a long retreat. But it can be a more active than that. You can actively take refuge and you reflect upon the Buddha and his inspiration, his teachings. You can reflect upon the Dhamma and take some time and let that warm you up like hot chocolate on a cold day. It can nourish you. And that's what I ended up reflecting upon the Dhamma. And I would cultivate this faith, and we'll talk more about faith and the importance of faith. But it's right here in this opening ritual. I'm letting go of the ordinary things I take refuge in. My cell phone, my car, my house, my best shirt, uh, my good friend who might move away. These are all okay refuges, but there are refuges that are timeless, and they go with you into scarier places than my phone, my house, my best shirt, my friends. Taking refuge in the Dhamma, taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Sangha. Many times your mind is going to be tired or going through some hindrances. And you look around, you'll see another Sangha member walking instead of blowing it off. Or sitting. Or getting here early or some type of dignity that they're embodying. And you'll look over and you'll say, yeah, I too, I too am gonna to do this. And so you don't know who your secret Santa is, you don't know who you're gonna be fed by, but as we uh, said last night, you couldn't do it alone. So you will take refuge in this body of this collective. You will take refuge in people you've never met, but they inspire you how they walk or the intentionality of how they collect food. That's actively using these refuges. So it's not just a ritual we do at the beginning, but all through the month, you'll be taking refuge. And you'll see your mind go back towards an old habit, and you say, no, I'm learning a new habit to take refuge in the Dhamma, take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Sangha. Then we have these five precepts, and they're the five basic precepts to give us some traction where often we get in trouble. We think we're helping ourselves or others, but we're actually causing harm. And so when you hold these five precepts, uh, you give your mind a really beautiful foundation 
of ethical integrity for both your own sense of this is a good heart and it really works hard not to harm. And that's an internal sense of sila. And then you can look around and see, oh, I'm in a community of heightened sila. That's a rare gift. One time a friend of mine and I went from the monastery into Burma because we had some official business to do. We got in a hotel room, turned the lights off. And then a half hour later, we turned the lights on. We both had a little clear plastic cup to capture the mosquitoes that come out once you turn the light off. And I was like, I love it. This guy, he actually captures mosquitoes and tosses them outside the room. I don't have a friend like this back in the States. That friend would start murdering mosquitoes while I was trying to capture them. And I took so much delight that this was our ethical standard, that we weren't going to cause harm. And we were going to put the effort in. I was just in Burma and I got to talk to an abbot of the Burmese monastery in Bodhgaya, where the Buddha awoke. And I said, what's something you tell a lot of people who come through? You must see thousands of people coming through. And he said, the importance of sila. He said, sila is like the boat you're going to use to cross samsara. And if you don't have good wood or it's not put together well, you'll never make it. But if you have good sila, you have the boat that can cross samsara. And meditation is like rowing or sailing. That's what moves the boat. But how good is the boat itself? And is this a boat that you would cross an ocean in? And I said, to make that boat something that's seaworthy, it comes down to sila. It's, it is the foundation. And so hopefully we talk enough about it that it also doesn't slide to something that you practice in the beginning, but again, get more curious about mindfulness and what's happening in the present. But uh, when it comes to paying attention to the small animals in front of you when you're walking, or how do you get rid of a spider out of your room, or any other common action that you realize has violence in it, can I let that go? Or there's greed in my intention, and it's starting to be covetous, it's starting to go towards stealing or taking what is not mine. Or you're going into a sexual fantasy and being attracted to somebody, and it's like, that's not what I'm doing here. That's not how I'm going to treat people in this community. It's a convention, but here there's a heightened sensitivity to the way that we approach each other around attraction. So we check that. And if you follow these five precepts and you hold to them and they become a part of the texture of your heart that it cares, ethically cares, you do have a boat that can cross the ocean of samsara that won't be lost under stressful times. It's okay to have good sila when things are going well, but can you have good sila under hard circumstances where you don't find uh, cheating intentions when nobody's looking, but even then you have good sila. So we get to practice that, and in that you'll feel the boat you're in going from plywood to oak and going from 
badly glued together to craft it so that all the beams align and you can feel that solidity of your heart that it has this good fiber in it this good uh, structure in it that it has this strong ethical component so I just want to we'll keep talking about it so we bring it to the forefront but as we're beginning uh, especially when we're going to spend a month together we want to make sure we are taking refuge in the right direction our practice that's the Dhamma the teachings our guide the Buddha and also the collective that we're in and you want to make sure that you're also heightening not just your awareness of your breath but ethical intentions and catching them when they're small so they don't snowball and then you catch them after the fact that you committed harm or there was a transgression. So developing sila is a deep part of our tradition and our practice. So once a day, <clears throat> uh, we might do this as a group often. Um, you might do it at the beginning of your day. Uh, you might actually read the refuse and precepts. Um, but let's chant them in, again together as a group and take them in again. And we'll just go through, won't do a call and response. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutiyampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Dutiyampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiyampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Tatiyampi sangam saranam gachami Panati pata ve ramani sikapadam samadhyami Adina dana ve ramani sikapadam samadhyami Abrahmacharya ve ramani sikapadam samadhyami Musawada we ramani sikapadam samadhyami Sura meriya majapamadatana We ramani sikapadam samadhyami 
then all the way down at the bottom. Idam me silam magapalanyanasa pachayo hotu. So we will go over the sixth, seventh, and eighth precept in uh, the next couple of days. Some of you may already be practicing that, but we'll go into detail how you practice that if that's new to you um, as a group in a few days. But we're all following the five precepts and the three refuges. So some announcements for today and some <clears throat> sense of the day. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow morning at 8.15, as we begin our session, we're going to do the cell phone and technology renunciation ritual and ceremony. So there are instructions on how to do that, but you can always turn them into the office and you can get them back from the office with a good explanation of why you need them. Um, we like to give a little barrier to that. But if you do want to take part in the ritual of it, which is powerful because it's not just a small action, but we do it as a group and we're really clearly demarcating this addiction many of us have to technology and going to older technology, which is the Dhamma in your heart. That will happen tomorrow and there will be instructions on how to follow that. Uh, today, at the 11.30 sitting, <clears throat> uh, there will be some guidance in mindful eating. So uh, please attend that sitting, especially if you want to be reminded about mindful eating. This afternoon, we're going to have a community meeting about how to be in community together. And there are many aspects of that, how to be in community together for a whole month. So please attend the 2.15 sitting. So. I'm sorry, the schedule changed, yeah. So it's a two o'clock sitting. So please all attend so that we get our community agreements uh, clear on how to be together for this month. Today there is no um, uh, movement uh, teaching scheduled. The movement practice, um, uh, the movement and practice meetings start on Tuesday, so today is Sunday, if you already have forgotten. So the practice meetings and the, the yoga that Martha will offer will start up on Tuesday. We also have a practice of having um, community members come up and lead certain sits. And it's really just uh, sitting up here, keeping track of the time so that others don't have to, and ringing the bell. And that's very helpful for us so that we can meet with you all and attend other meetings. So that practice um, of having practice leaders will start uh, tomorrow and we have um, places out there where you can sign up uh, to take on a day um, where you'll help the community by be the, the one who rings the bell and watches the clock and sits up here to inspire everybody. Okay, are there any questions about just these details? of going through today. So silence and uh, your own practice of walking and sitting uh, throughout the rest of the morning. We'll have a collective meeting at two, at two o'clock 
And then again, more silent and walking practice and sitting practice after that. So I'd like to say a little more about the walking practice. All of you have done walking, I assume, but you're launching into a whole month of walking. And there's many different uh, ways, and over the course of the month at different times, there may be different ways that you approach, that you engage with your walking practice. But I want to say a few things about how this walking practice supports us throughout the throughout our practice. One thing is is physically our bodies cannot for most of us sit here endlessly. If we confine our idea of meditation to the sitting posture, we are limiting not only our meditation opportunities, but the possibility of bringing mindfulness to all aspects of our life. So one of the things that we start breaking down in the month long, in the context of this month together, is the idea that meditation is something that you do only sitting still. You can bring your practice to everything. In fact, this continuity of practice from the moment you inhale your first breath in the morning all the way through the day, the continuity is what allows your practice to deepen. It's what allows the dharma and your practice to switch from something that you're making happen to something that carries you. And I can't emphasize this enough because we have to put effort in to be present, to be mindful. But if we do it consistently and we, div- we cultivate this continuity, it will start to carry us. And then it sh- this mindfulness shows up in an effortless way in each moment continuity. How do we cultivate that? One of the the walking meditation is our first, uh, the first rung on the ladder of continuity. That when we leave our sitting posture and you stand up and then you move towards where you're going to walk, there's such an opportunity there to stay connected to your experience, to be present. You can start that by when the bell rings. Notice if as the bell rings, there's some instinct to say, think, I'm done. And just sort of like a kind of slouchiness immediately appears. And see if instead you can go, oh, the bell is alerting me to this change in posture, but a continuity of mindfulness. So you get up, you go find a walking place to walk. The weather right now is spectacular, so you might go outside and find your area of walking. 
or using the upstairs or downstairs walking halls. Both are available to you. And in doing this, we're allowing now our body to move. We can feel our body. The attention when we do the walking goes into the movement of the body, allowing ourselves to stay very embodied. And we go and we find ourselves a walking place and we stand there. And before we start connecting with our intention, making sure we're very aware of our body, and then we begin the walking. And it's wonderful how doing this shorter walking back and forth rather than going for a walk allows us to have a little reminder. It's as if, fortunately we don't do this, but if we were to sit up here and ring the bell every you know, three minutes, that would help you uh, if you started to wander off. It, but it's kind of like that in the walking because you get to the end of your walking period, po- walking space, sorry, just the length, and then you have to turn around. And you can use the turn ar- turning around as, a, oh yeah, okay, let's start again. Am I really here? Am I connected? And then walking again. And then over time with this cultivation of continuity, the walking meditation turns out to be what we do as we walk down to the, the dining hall. It turns out to be what we do when we walk to our room. It may have a slightly different pace or it may not. It turns out this being with our body in movement is what we do when we're brushing our teeth. The walking movement is this creating this thread of continuity. And I want to name that for some people, the walking meditation is easier to connect with. For some people, the sitting meditation is what is easier to connect with. Well, you would no more come on a meditation retreat and say, it's hard for me to connect with the sitting, therefore I'm not going to do it. So I encourage you to have the same attitude about the walking. Really let yourself do it. Stay present to it for the whole period. Commit to it. And sometimes it'll be hard and sometimes it'll be easy. Sometimes you'll get just as restless in the walking as you do in the sitting. Just as much wanting to go do something else. But just like you are in the hall and you don't go do something else, give yourself the benefit of that attitude of the container, that you're in this container and commit to it. There is nothing so supportive of your practice as to sit and then move into the walking, staying present, continuing the walking, and at the end of the walking period, moving smoothly back into the sitting, that kind of continuity will allow your practice to unfold. So I'd like us to just take a moment and do just a few moments of walking together. So if everybody will come to standing and notice your body as you come to standing. Be present with your experience.
feel your feet on the ground. Feel how your body feels standing now. There might be some sense of this stretched out posture instead of folded up. Let yourself feel that. Feel the bottoms of your feet all the way up to your head. And slowly pour your weight into your right leg. And as you do that, notice the changes in your right leg. Perhaps the bottom of the foot, the increasing tension, density of the leg. And then slowly pour the weight into the left leg. Again, feeling the changes in the left leg. Now slowly lifting the right, just sort of onto the toe. And notice now in your left leg all the activity, all that little micro movement that's required to keep your balance. Feel the pressure on the bottom of your foot. And then just move the foot an inch. You don't need to go very far and set it down. And shifting your weight back. Feeling the efforting begin to happen in the right leg. Lifting the left one. And now set the left one down. And this one, this time, as you switch back, keep your attention in the right leg. And notice how it goes into a state of ease and relaxation. And then as you lift it, there's this little bit of efforting in the muscle to lift it up. The foot might be relaxed. And you set it down. And then feeling the left leg soften and relax. And then bringing it parallel to the other foot. As you do that, you might quickly notice that there's way more activity going on than you can pay attention to all of it. So one of the things in the walking is that it's an opportunity to be creative. What would you like to pay attention to? Just like with our breathing, what's most clear to you? What's most interesting? Let yourself be curious about this activity. Notice, and if you're walking very slowly, you might be noticing the bottoms of your feet or the ankles. If you want to walk at a little bit faster pace, you might notice it's a little more the movement in your thighs and your legs. Even faster, it might be more the hips and the torso. And it's fine to different walking periods you might do at different paces. Many people do find that that slowing down allows them to connect more intimately, but you can experiment for yourself and see what's useful. So the one encouragement is if you do decide to walk slowly, which is fine to walk to the door to sort of begin your walking meditation here, make sure you sort of stay a little to the side so that those who are moving a little faster can do that. But in any event, I encourage you to start this attitude of walking right from when you stand up on your cushion. Then go to your walking place and continue. I'll say one last thing as an inspiration. In talking to other practitioners, teachers, 
one of the things that have, has I've really noticed is a trend that insight for many people happens in the walking. It's like the gestation period is sitting on the cushion. And then when you get up and move, there's some way understanding tends to rise to the surface. But in order to do that, there has to be this continuity. So I offer that as an extra encouragement. So please enjoy your day of practice, settling in, acknowledging that you're just beginning and being kind to yourself, however the day unfolds. Thank you.